Uh, can you just do a mic check? I mean, how is a vibe check? Actually, how, does I, how do I sound? How are my vibes? I said mic check, not Sorry. vibe check. Sorry. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast and Ringer FC. I'm Lisa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks. How are you? Good, hoodied up. Nice. Yeah. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. Feels very strange. It's a bit like Europa League, isn't it? Type of energy. No one's watching. No one's listening. Yeah, oh, you goodness. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> out there? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Maybe we should start the podcast with that. This week, we're playing out on the Europa League. <laughs> <laughs> the Europa League is an energy, isn't it? It's like a kind of there's a lot of things you could describe. There's a lot of experiences. You go to a party, or oh, how was it? Oh, it's a bit Europa League. No one wants to be there for the first five hours of the party. Oh my goodness. No one wants to be there for the first five months of the Europa League. You know what Europa League parties are like? Yours? You know what? Oh my God. <laughs> wow. 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 So it's like that. Oh, you know, you teed me up. No, you alleyed it. All I needed to do was Uber. Wow. Wow. Devastated. I'm too devastated to continue this podcast. How about that? <laughs> so Europa League podcast. Europa League parties are the ones where, you know those parties you travel across London and you're there for less time than you're actually travelling? Yeah, because it takes hours to get everywhere in London. Yeah, true, true. It's that, yeah. We need to do some admin before we start. Let's do it. Ringer.com forward slash soccer. Make sure you go and check out all the pieces. Also, new episode of Righty's House is up. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, man. It was funny. Carl Anker and I were on with Ian. Our theme music is for sale. Stadio.bandcamp.com. We're donating all the money. If you want to go and buy it, it's minimum three euros. Oh, we're going to do a Stadio Sessions. Yep, yep. Friday. Not sure if there's going to be a theme yet. Any other... Oh, yeah, before we move on. I owe everyone an apology. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I said something on Monday that was quite bad. Oh, no. Yeah. So in the beginning bit of the podcast, we were talking about the Four Seasons landscaping thing. Yeah, yeah. And I said it was in between a crematorium and a, and a dildo factory. And actually, it was an adult bookstore. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, I'm really sorry for putting out that false information. And I'd like to clarify that the Four Seasons landscaping is actually in between a crematorium and an adult bookstore, not a dildo factory. Because details matter. Yeah. Disrespected 11 part two coming up after this. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. 
We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, Disrespected yep. 11 part two. Let's do it. So we asked for some Disrespected 11s from Club Specific yep, yep. for people to send in. Okay, so we had... Two Liverpool disrespected 11s. Okay. A Real Madrid disrespected 11. Ooh. Super interesting. We had Chelsea, two Manchester United disrespected 11s. We had a Barcelona disrespected 11. And we had, not an 11, but we had a Newcastle one that came up, which I'd like to read. Oh, and we had an Arsenal one, obviously. Obviously. So that gives us a decent spread, huh? Yeah, that's good. It's very good. Uh, this one comes from Callum Cleary, who says, Aozi Perez. Oh, okay. Many Newcastle fans, myself included, were way too hard on him. In fixating on what he wasn't, we were blind to what he was. We're a club that's always looking for a focal point up top, and Iosi mm. is not that player. He was for years our biggest attacking threat in sides that lacked a number nine. Mm. And so we expected him to be both the crafty winger he was and the ruthless front man he wasn't. Yes. It wasn't until Rondon came in that the need for a focal point was satisfied, and some of his more obtuse fans like myself could appreciate that Iosi could offer when allowed to play his game. Unfortunately, by this point, he had adopted his fingers and ears celebration in response to fan criticism and he left the following summer. That's really sad because there's a mythology, obviously, and that's a, I love that. Yeah, thanks, Callum. That was a really nice one. That's great. There's a mythology around the number nine at Newcastle that is something which a lot of people who don't know that history too well don't fully get. But, you know, Jackie Milburn, obviously, the great Jackie Milburn and Alan Shearer. And this is why um, Luque struggled when he went there from Deportivo. Luque was a brilliant player, went to Newcastle and really struggled because he was not a traditional nine. He was a sort of a deep lying, almost a like sort of Hungarian style false nine, you know, and that, that was a thing that really Newcastle fans struggled with. And, mm. and I think that, that Perez fell into that trap. He's a lovely player. We enjoy watching him. He's having a lovely time at Leicester. But yeah, exactly. And the fact that you have to develop a celebration, isn't that so painful when you're, you know, because that weighs on your mind. The fact that, you know, the relationship between fan and player, for you to be stepping out front of a crowd in a defensive stance, whoever you are, is, is a painful thing. What, mm. a great, what a great submission. I'm glad we started with that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Thanks, Callum. Right, let's move on to an 11. Yeah. Okay, so we had two Liverpool ones. One from Johannes yeah. Haler and one from Patrick Stegemuller. Patrick said, I'm limiting myself to those I've been alive for and able to see in person. Johannes said he's, a, he's been supporting Liverpool for about seven or eight years now. So quite a new fan to the club. His squad is Bruce Grobelar, Steve Nicol, Joe Gomez, Sammy Hippier, Alan Kennedy, Javier Mascherano, Felipe Coutinho, Gina Wijnaldum, Raheem Sterling. So he would have been young. Mm. Daniel Sturridge and Dirk Kaut. He said, I put Sterling it because even though he left under bad circumstances, which I blame on the agent, he was part of an amazing Liverpool team and people need to get over how he left and celebrate the good times we have. So that's Johannes's. Yeah. Patrick Stegenmuller says, Lorius Karius, Dejan Lovren, Sammy Hippier, Joel Matip. He's playing 3-5-2. Ooh, okay. Dirk Count, Joe Allen, Alberto Aquilani, Lucas Leiva, John Arnariza. 
Peter Crouch, Raheem Sterling up front. I'm surprised here some of those names, especially in the first 11, because I'm like, but we always rated that guy. Like Dirk Kout, you know, as a United fan, he was a danger for us. Perhaps there were Liverpool fans who felt like a guy in that position with that prominence should yeah. have been more an alpha. Yeah, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think Raheem Sterling, the, the Raheem Sterling disrespect, I think, is fair because, but it's more, I think it borders more on tribalism, quote unquote, hatred, fan hatred. Yeah. To, because yeah, I think yeah. they, cause, cause I think that if he was disrespected, I don't think that people would have been as angry if he'd left. Whereas someone like Dejan Lovren. Dejan Lovren, I think is, is a good shout. Yeah, because I think Dejan Lovren, I've said this many times in the podcast, I felt like he was a real victim of having to cover an astonishing amount of space because of that high line. Mm. He was almost signed in one system and then had to transition to another. Um, and if you see his form for Croatia, as against his form for Liverpool, it's very clear that he's someone that thrives in particular systems. Given the news of Joe Gomez's injury, mm. the England camp, and shout out to Diana Christine. Diana Christine was like, oh my goodness, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Lovren is a great person to have in your squad. Yeah. And but maybe he just wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, maybe that, maybe that too. But this is a guy that had to quit social media because the abuse from fans was just upsetting. Yeah. So Sammy Hippier is in both. I don't think Sammy Hippier is disrespected. We're not Liverpool fans. I think he's beloved. I think the, yeah, but the converse, here's the thing, what's interesting, what's funny about these 11s is, obviously within the ecosystem of Liverpool, there are criticisms we're unaware of. Like I'm surprised yeah, to see some of these names there. So I'm like, oh, See, the one name that really stands out to me, the name that drove everyone wild, the one player that I remember hearing again and again, like, oh my God, this guy, Lucas Lever. Mm-hmm. I really feel like there was a player ahead of his time, I think, because the type of player that Lucas Lever, if he was around right now, there wouldn't be this concern about numbers that he puts up. Also, I think being Brazilian really hurt him. Mm. I think if Lucas Lever was Paraguayan, because remember Paraguay had that 3-5-2 at the World Cup and it was amazing. Yep. Francisco Arce, all that lot. And they were amazing. They had this like, you know, tough, like, you know, Carlos Gamara. And it was just, that's what they did. And they were 3-5-2. Mm-hmm. Like your DMs that didn't do anything but just break up play and lay it off. And Leiva was in that mold. I think his sin was being a Brazilian. It's like Gilberto to an extent. Gilberto had to fight through a little bit of that. Gilberto's sin was being a Brazilian who didn't like hot dog it and flash it up. Even though Gilberto had every single trick in the book. Oh, he could do whatever he wanted. But that's the thing. Like, I remember like seeing, seeing a Lauren Koscielny warm-up where he flicks the ball up and half volleys it on the Rabona into the top corner. Unreal. Like, like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, it was a great moment when Gilberto goes down. He was playing. There was, um, he did a lot of work with homeless footballers, mm-hmm. the street league. So Gilberto goes down, I think it was the Hackney Marshes, and does a kick around with these kids. And it's Gilberto. So no one's expecting him to like hot dog it. And he just busts out the wildest moves and the, the kids the grill. <laughs> yeah he's just like <laughs> do you know what it was it was a very kind of like it was a very like um who are those hollywood actors who never force it i think of like a hollywood actor who just plays a role but never pushes it like a kind of like a john like a like a john Cazale. alan alder that yeah. kind of guy right right oh my goodness that's such a perfect analogy gilberto is the alan alder of the arsenal team never punches into warp. It's like, hey, we're just going through subspace. We're cruising. We're not going to go wild. We're just going to ease it. And as a, as a foot, and I think that's what the Lucas Labour problem was as well. This understated, someone like Klopp, actually, funny enough, Lucas Labour playing for a Klopp team. But then again, having said that- I mean, he got, did though. Yeah, but- You mean if he was like five years younger? Exa- exactly. Yeah. 
Although having said that, there's Wijnaldum and Wijnaldum got a lot of hate for a long time. Yeah, see, the thing that I'm confused about with these is whether they're disrespected within the fan base or they're disrespected outside of the fan base because I see a lot of names on this list that are not disrespected outside of the fan base. I would take most of those players. <laughs> and, and actually, think, there yeah. are, like Felipe Coutinho, I think is, I actually think he was overly respected whilst at Liverpool. That's I think people thought he was better than he was at Liverpool. Oh, definitely. With the shock when, yeah. he was, when he was sold, I remember looking at the numbers very closely when Liverpool sold him. Mm. And I was thinking, I said to my friends, I was like, I think they're better without him. It's that thing you said oh, about... hundred percent. Coutinho's sale completely unlocks Liverpool. Because there was a very particular type of way that Liverpool attacked with him playing. Um, and when people worked out what it was, and Klopp, I think, you know, Klopp anticipated that. He's like, this team has become... It's predictable. It's overwhelming, but it's predictable. And he made that sale. And I remember thinking a lot and I was like, no, this is a, this is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I think Dirk Cow falls into like cult hero territory and I don't think cult heroes are ever really disrespected. No, I'm oh, goodness. My, in never, my never, made up never. theory. And Sturridge was the frustration of the injury. Sturridge, everyone knew what Sturridge was. Was that Quilani disrespected or was he just not great at Liverpool? Not great at Liverpool. He was not great at Liverpool. Joe Allen was a difficult, Joe Allen was kind of like Rogers' guy. I actually think Joe Allen, I think Joe Allen out of all of those, I think, is the best shout. I, I, I would feel from the out, I mean, from within the club, we can't tell, obviously, what the Liverpool fans From felt. the outside, I think, because I think Joe Allen yeah. was a really, really important player for Liverpool. He very much, like, he reminds me a little bit of, like, Arteta coming to Arsenal, actually. Yes, yes. In, in terms of, at the time, you know, no one was going completely wild about Arsenal signing Arteta. If anything, I think at the time, people would have thought it was a bit of an underwhelming signing. I felt that too, yeah. Yeah. But just consistency. Gave him consistency and stability. It's funny because I always liked him higher up the pitch. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. played there yeah. at, at Rangers, I think, and so, well, certainly at Rangers, and I loved him as, as a 10. Yeah, when, at Everton as well. When, when he came back to, when he came and sort of sat a bit deeper for Arsenal, I was a bit concerned. But of course, that game against, uh, was it the famous game against um, Man, Man City? City? Him and Cazorla. Oh, stop that is it. a serious, stop you know it. what? That's a serious. Why did you have to do that? <laughs> Don't. You'd take that midfield now, would you? Don't. I mean, while we're on Arsenal, should we do the Arsenal one we got? Let's do it. Yeah, let's get into it. Okay. Here we go. I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying reminiscing about the players as well and their favourite yeah, moments. Well, yeah, well, I'm not because now I'm sad and I just <laughs> want to eat, I just want to get in bed with my tracky bottoms on and eat a whole tub of ice cream on my own whilst watching. <laughs> but I don't know. I thought you were going to say any sort of Arsenal relate to no, no. Oh, what is this? <laughs> sorry, sorry, hey, sorry, sorry, sorry. Jay, we all know he's the most disrespected on this podcast. <laughs> this fucking guy. Where were we? Where were we? Yeah, where were we? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this one's from Craig Disselkamp. He said, as an Arsenal supporter, I wanted to do something different and give a modern day Arsenal disrespect to 11. Jens Lehmann in the shadow of Oliver Kahn. That's a huge call to go in with. That's big. Left back, Ashley Cole. Ryan put it better than I could. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we said Ashley Cole in our actual disrespect yep, yep, 11. Yep, yep, yep. Colo Torre, overshadowed by his brother as well as his underwhelming latter years after he left the red and white. He's an invincible. And then he wrote, Sebastian Scalacci, just kidding. I'm going to go with William Gallas. <laughs> He's not remembered fondly and for decent reasons. The incident at Birmingham to comes, comes to mind. Yeah. But also the American style trade for Ashley Cole isn't really his fault as Ashley Cole was just better but some forget just how good he was on his day. 
right back Emmanuel Abue says, hear me out here. Was he world class? No. But he was in the squad that went to the Champions League final and he was never as bad as the critics made him out to be. Matthew Flamini, two cents at the club, each reaching surprising heights. Never thought he would be good enough to leave for Milan when that meant something. Then when he came back, put in some shockingly good performances, highlighted by his two goals against Spurs. Samir Nasri, the way he left wasn't great and he, and he never reached the heights at City that he did at Arsenal. But oh my, on his day, he was great. His goal against Porto really sticks out as something is uh, showing his true class. Ozil, as discussed on the pod, it's now forgotten just how elite he was. Theo Walcott, was he ever truly world-class? Probably not, but he got too much flack from Arsenal supporters, in my opinion, especially given the big moments he produced. Olivier Giroud, again, as discussed on the pod. And the final forward is Emmanuel Adebayor. Did he deserve Arsenal fans despising him after he left? Probably. But boy, did he have some great seasons and individual moments that I've forgotten because of that. What comes to mind? Goal at Old Trafford, bicycle kick against Roma. Uh, what should have been the winner in 08 against Liverpool? His career faded, but his peak was truly great. Sorry to Musa for the Arsenal-centric nature of the email. I think this actually may have come in actually before we put out a thing for club. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. No. never. Hey, Craig, if there's one thing I've learned working with Musa, never apologise. Exactly, never apologise because <laughs> he apologize. won't. <laughs> never apologise. So, um, um, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Do you know what, can I jump in? And Abue, that's one that stands out to me because surprised to me to hear that Flamini was underrated or disrespected because I thought he was outstanding. I thought his balance with Fabregas was everything you want from That midfield was perfect. I don't think he was, un- I don't think he was disrespected in his first stint. I think he maybe was a little bit in his second. I think Fabregas Flamini was one of the best midfields in Europe. It was unbelievable. The balance mm. to it was so good in terms of the strengths. And I was really sad to see it broken up. Mm. Abue, now the thing about world-class, I think he actually fleetingly was world-class. I think I there, was agree. A, there was an eight-month period when Emmanuel Ebue was outstanding and the one, he was mind-blowing and the one thing that was never his fault was moving him to right wing. You could move a lot of the best right-backs of all time to right wing and they wouldn't do it. And he did it because he wanted to help the team and he played like a 4-2-3-1 and it was awful because he couldn't build up a head of steam and it didn't work for him and he got booed off the pitch for trying his hardest and that was yeah. heartbreaking. And you know, you see what's happened with him since and the struggles he's had since and he realised that this is a guy that put himself out for other people and I remember thinking, it's not often you sort of get righteous about these things, but I thought his treatment was absolutely shameful. Yeah, I agree. Because he was the best, he was the best attacking right back for about eight months in Europe. The only other ones was like, was it Zambrotter at that same time? They mm-hmm. were like, that's how good he was. He was as good as those people. And he got moved. And I got really, uh, one thing that really upset me was they moved, I think, Sanya in instead. Sanya was not remotely as good. I watched Sanya several times. In my opinion, in my opinion, do you know what, Then I say this? Sanya did not- big call, Musa. You know I say that? He did not attack space. Like yeah, but did. I think this is a different thing. I think that, for example, Sanya was the, at that time, Arsenal had a, had a bit of a balance issue. Yeah. Gibbs would often attack more. Mm. Sanya was a lot more solid. Because Sanya, remember, also played centre-back sometimes, filled in centre-back. But he could go forward and he, he linked up quite well. I think Sanya was more grit. Ebue was electricity. Yeah, he was. He was, but he was also erratic. But I think that he was quite underrated, definitely disrespected. So can I say as well, on the other, on the other things, on the, a couple others on that, um, on that list, uh, I think a couple of them, funny enough, like Adebayo is a good example. There's a player that was absolutely rated and then it's the way that it soured. But at the time, Adebayo... 
my goodness, Adebayo, oh the end of that, Adebayo could have been the best nine in world football. Without question. Adebayo could have stepped into Barcelona and been spellbind. I remember, I remember that game. I went to it, Arsenal nil-nil against AC at um, Emirates. And the atmosphere, those who were there, the atmosphere in the stadium that night, Adebayo against Nesta dominated him. In the air, bullied him. In the air and on the ground, destroyed him, destroyed him. Was all night. And if one goal had gone in, if one goal had gone in that night, they would have absolutely torn him apart. I think it was like one of those ones, if one goal goes in, three go in. Is that the one where they went and won away in the two nil? Yeah, yeah. I think Fabregas's angry goal from way out. Angry P roller. Can I say the San Siro, there's attracted a lot of angry goals there. The Henri goal Mm. against Zanetti, that was rage. Yeah. That's the angriest I've seen Henri in a way. I mean, I've seen, we've seen Henri in a lot of angry, in fact, to be honest, there could be an entire, I think angry, I think actually Henri prompted this discussion. You could do an entire segment of Thierry Henri angry away goals. Yep. You know, yeah, there, are so many, yeah. there are so many, there are so yeah, probably. Yeah. There are enough one, of- the one against Zanetti <clears> when he actually does the stop motion, I'm going to slow down and overtake him. That goal was a Venn diagram of the most angry and the most disrespectful goal, that is an elder, do you know, it's like, it's like stealing someone's parking spot. It's and getting like, out and giving them the finger. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, it's, yeah, and it's the equivalent, it's like Paul Newman is going out for like a nice drink with his wife and he's driving, you know, driving his Jaguar and just before he goes into his favourite park, but everyone knows that Paul likes parking there when he comes to Florida and DiCaprio just reverses into it. It's like that. That was the energy when Henri did that thing to Zanetti. That's the whole dynamic going on so there. So mean. It was, wasn't it? Have you got any other shouts for Arsenal before we move on? Disrespected Arsenal players. Um, no, I, th- I think everyone else pretty much got their, I think everyone got their respect, I think. Maybe Baptista, but Baptista, it just didn't work. There, there were things, Baptista's a difficult one because he was there, he was a great player at the wrong time. Mm. And I don't feel like he was disrespected. I just felt like it was one where people felt that was a bad fit. I would say maybe someone like Marouane Shamak. So I felt like Shamak, was a player who was very good. Oh, he was great at first. Yeah, I exactly. Thought, yeah. I just, I went to see him and I just thought, you're someone who needs a little bit of luck. And some might say it's a personality thing that you have to kick on, but Arsenal did do that thing where they were signing players and not playing to their strengths. And he was one of them. They did it with Giroud. Mm. Montpellier, Giroud was scoring all these headed goals and all of a sudden he gets them. There's no one that crosses for him. Mm. Shamak was a similar thing. They signed him for a team that didn't fit his strengths. So I feel like, I feel like he'll have, I think there was a bit of that with Shamak and I feel like people joke about him and it's not fair because it was the wrong fit. Yeah. I don't like it when players become the figures of long-term jokes. Yeah, no, never, never. But yeah. Anyway, uh, any more on Arsenal? No, no, we're good. We're good. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it you can work out in it. You can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. 
Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, man, let's go to the first non-English one. This one's from Sam Bertuna. Hey guys, my name is Sam. I'm a Milan fan from Melbourne, Australia. Oh, Milan, love it. AC Milan's disrespect 11 in a 4-5-1 formation. Goalkeeper, Sebastiano Rossi. One of world football's most successful goalkeepers of his era, but given only two caps for Italy in his international career. In his inject, inject it in my was veins. Was he on our bench? I think he was. I think he was. Rossi was in there. Yeah. Uh, defenders. Bonucci, heavily criticised and unfairly blamed for Milan's poor run in 17-18. Baresi, club legend, but always overshadowed by the achievements of Maldini and Nesta. Calabria. Constantly spoken about like he's second rate and should never be starting. In fact, a perfect example of Milan's solid youth system, especially since post-lockdown 1920. Abate, a solid and loyal player that I feel should have received more praise for his time at Milan. Ooh, that's, I like that. He's sitting comfortably. Midfielders. Fernando Redondo, as discussed on your last Disrespected Eleven segment. Oh, Fernando, sorry. Hold me. Paqueta, amazing talent, fell victim to Milan's management musical chairs and not really given a solid chance. Fair enough. AC Milan era, Andrea Pirlo. The AC Milan Pirlo is one of the forgotten greats. Every time I hear people talking about Pirlo, it is always regarding his time at Juve. I feel that Juve's adopted him as their own club legend. All respect to the Pirlo of 2000 to 2011 that won two Scudettos, one Coppa Italia, two Champions Leagues, one Italian Super Cup. One FIFA Club World Cup, two UEFA Super Cups, and a World Cup whilst at Milan. Edgar David, written off and sold to a direct rival in Juve after only 19 games. Never given a fair opportunity to show his true potential. Bonaventura, an explosive, reliable player that I feel should have become part of the furniture at Milan. A natural-born workhorse that has... That always played for the badge, but was not giving, but was not given his deserved starting place under Pioli. He is worth more than being let go on a free to Fiorentina. Up front, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, in Milan's first team, 08 to 11, but never given a game. Oh my goodness, this is wonderful. Wet even. I don't even. I don't. I don't even think. I, Any doubt. I mean, the one I would potentially argue with is... Pirlo? No, actually. I think AC Milan Pirlo is a good shout. In terms of disrespected? Well... Depends how okay. old you are, though. Yeah, old you I, are. Think, I think maybe not disrespected. Forgotten. Yes, I think definitely forgotten. Definitely forgotten. If forgetting someone's era or specific era at a club is, it goes down as disrespect, then yeah. It falls That's a great... It. You know, actually, I remember when I heard it, I thought, that is such a great shout. In terms of, because I can see where it comes from in terms of like, it's so strange that he's been adopted by Juve in that sense, where I always felt, you know, my favourite work of his actually came at Milan. That's, my that was favourite my, work of his, like yeah. the Bowie years. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah. 
the soul stuff. <laughs> it was like yeah. the Berlin trilogy of David Bowie. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Milan Pirlo was unreal. I loved Milan Pirlo. Um, yeah, so good. And that midfield was perfectly, perfectly balanced, as Thanos would say. The one I would take issue with is probably Baresi. Baresi got his props for sure. I think if actually, if anyone did, it was Costa Curta. Costa Curta, I would agree. I would swap out Baresi for Costa Curta. That's what actually. I would do. Yeah, yeah, I would. Benucci, I have a funny one with because I think he was respected until he started acting up a bit. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think there are players who, you know, disrespected as footballers. I think actually like Dimitri Albertini, if you look back and ask people to name who made things run, I think he would not come up enough. I think Boban might come up more than Albertini. If people go, oh yeah, who was running for Milan back in the day? I think Albertini would go under the radar. Oh, Albertini is a great shout, you know. And I think there'd be disrespect there from that perspective. I also thought Ibrahim Barr was actually more useful than he got credit. Paqueta, I think absolutely that's a great example of just the fit and the timing and the use. And I think also the also there's, a, there's an era thing where the creative burden he was expected to adopt is the Coutinho thing. Almost like people don't want to take enough of a chance on a player. Like you've got to be an explosive creative talent if you're going to get that much ball going through you. Davids at Milan was a great shot. There was that whole era... So weird. When they basically signed those Milan players wholesale, I think Reitziger went there. Mm-hmm. They take Reitziger? Yeah. They took Reitziger, Davids and Clivert, at least, from the Ajax team. I was like, oh yeah, the Dutchman thing. But there was no way to integrate. They weren't integrated like last time. You know, when they brought in the three Dutchmen, there was a kind of a core and they, they, they built that in. And it just didn't last. Like what? No. I mean, um, Reitziger went to Barca in 97. Yeah. When did Davids go? To, oh, he went to Juve and then from That's there to... Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, he went to Barcelona only briefly after uh, on loan, didn't he, before he went to Inter. But um, I have a potential Milan shout. Yeah, go on. Well, I have two, actually. I think Thiago Silva's a shout. Oh, oh, I felt like he made his name at Milan. I felt yeah. like he was... I actually think people have forgotten how good Thiago Silva was. I think that's fair. Yeah. Is that is that fair or is no, that? I think, I, think, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Tiago Silva Milan was, you couldn't touch him. I mean, it's maybe, that's, maybe, yeah. that's, maybe Milan fans would just be like, no, 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 he's fine. So if he if that's true, but I, I don't know. I think I sometimes feel that people don't give Tiago Silva. Actually, do you know what? I think it maybe falls into either way too much props or way too little props, but nothing's ever just the right amount of props. Right, Thiago right. Silva. Like a Carrick thing. Yeah. Yes, Carrick's a good shout. Yeah. Um, the other one I would throw in there, and I'm not sure if I mean this or not, but I kind of think I do, is Philip Mexes. Because I think Philip Mexes was pretty good at Milan. Ah, uh, but the Mexes' problem was expectation. Yeah. Mexes had a you know, good career. Mexes, when he emerged, and actually I slightly blame, I blame computer games for this, because He was Mexes, amazing on Pro Evo. <laughs> every game, every game, Mexes was the elite talent. He was the guy that everyone was waiting for. But that was also because, I mean, those games are based on what the rep is. Mexes was meant to be mm. the new Laurent Blanc. 29 caps for France. That's a very good career. Like most footballers don't play 30 times for France. Well, he didn't. It was, well, <laughs> it, but yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm joking. As an Arsenal fan, you should know it's not 30 till it's 29. It's not 29 till it's 30. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know who, do you know who played 29 times for this country? Do you know who else did? From Milan? Fernando Redondo. Oh, look at that. Nice little symmetry. There we go. I really like that one. Thanks, Sam. That's great. I loved it. All right, let's do your beloved Manchester United. (gasps) 
Uh, we've got two. One from Dave Castle and one from Ben Senior. Oh, okay. shout out. Shout out to Ben. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave says, before diving in, my first point is that arguably every player that's played under the Glazers qualifies for this. Mm, as the levels sure. of disrespect coming out of the boardroom at Old Trafford are unreal. I like that. Mm. He says, I've gone post-99 only because while my first love will always be 99, uh, 92 to 99 eras, I was too oh. young to see anything but the heroes in those teams. Mm. Fabian Barthez in goal, Raphael, mm. Chris Smalling, John O'Shea, Luke Shaw, Darren Fletcher, Juan Sebastian Veron, Shinji Kagawa, Alan Smith, Louis Saha, Nani. Ooh. Want to hear the others? From yeah. Ben? Yeah. Ben says, he's gone 4 4 2. Edwin van der Sar says, difficult one this. Not a stretch to say he could be the best ever United and Premier League goalkeeper if Fergie had signed him earlier like he had tried to. We might not have had the Bosnich Bartes Carroll Howard years. Also, mm. he's named someone who's disrespected in the other Manchester United 11. <gasps> yeah, wow. Ooh, ooh. Like Crossing streams. Gary Neville. Cue Jamie Carragher and no one wants to grow up to be a Gary Neville. If Outcast are singing about right backs, it's not Gary, is it? Wow. Wow. Brown. Five Premier League titles, two FA Cups, two League Cups, and was in the squad to win the Champions League in 99. I was in the starting 11 to win it nine years later. That was brilliant. Yep, Stam, big guy in a big part of 99, sold too soon, disrespected by Fergie at the time. Oh my God, that's so true. That's so big. Dennis Irwin, right-footed left-back with that delivery, intelligence, ability and set-piece technique. Get him in. Jisung Park, played in some huge games and had a huge impact. Did masses for United as his appeal in Asia, but deserves to be respected for so much more than just that. Darren Fletcher again, disrespected by the referee in United's semi-final game against Arsenal in 2009 and got sent off, meaning that he missed the final. Nicky Butt, captain. The most disrespected member of the class of 92. Wow. Put him as captain because I wouldn't dare give it to anyone else. Wow. Wayne Rooney. I've even disrespected him in this team by playing him on the left of midfield. (laughs) 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 Lit up Euro Euro 2004 and then spearheaded United's attack at the age of 18. Won the Premier League and Champions League double at 22. Two up front. Ruud van Nistelrooy. Best striker and top goal scorer in Europe in 2002-2003. Up there with the best finishers the Premier League's ever seen. Andy Cole, third top goal scorer in Premier League history. Got United out of some sticky situations. Elite striker. On the bench, John O'Shea. He put, can even fill in a goalkeeper if you need. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny Evans, Marcus Rashford. Ooh, Romelu Lukaku, Dimitar Berbatov. Please debate any of these and discuss the reasons why Sahar or Tevez, before he signed for that lot, deserve to be in there. Thanks, Ben. Cheers, Ben. All right, so we had those two. One from Dave Castle. Mm. Okay, so I think Bartes wasn't under... I think Bartes is not disrespecting. Bartes actually arrived at a huge amount of goodwill and kind of made those high-profile errors. And I think people were always waiting for it to take off him, but it never really did. I don't think either of the keepers are disrespected, actually. I don't think Edward no, van der Sar is disrespected either. I, no, I think van der Sar gets so many props. I mean, definitely he came there late, but that's what I think Ferguson said that. He was like, I wish I'd signed him earlier. But oh, I think Taibi. Put Taibi in there. <sighs> Taibi. That's, you know, it's heartbreaking about Taibi. The culmination of his career was playing for Manchester United. Yeah, no. He was so proud. Imagine how many people he made proud in his hometown. Mm. Our guy is playing for Taibi and he made that mistake and that's it. And that's devastating. That's, that's such a, I feel so, I feel so awful. Like, same with Jim Layton. 
Jim Layton would go in my Manchester United disrespected 11 actually in goal. Jim Layton being dropped for that replay for Les Seeley was absolutely heartbreaking. And, and Ferguson, this is a guy that was obviously incredible for Ferguson at Aberdeen. That is one of the most, um, you could say one of the most necessarily ruthless things that Ferguson ever did because Les Seeley was outstanding in the replay and maybe psychologically Leighton just felt or was blaming himself. Mm. I mean, I don't know. It's not for me to say and obviously Ferguson's decision worked out. I, do think, Jim Layton, of, I think Jim Layton would be a good shout for the Manchester United goalkeeper. I, I, think, I, th- I think Jim Layton because it's how he's remembered and he was wonderful. Um, I think actually Dennis Irwin was more underrated than... Yeah. Disrespect. Uh, Den- yeah, Dennis Irwin is like, he's like Lizarazu or, you know... Like, um, yeah. Firmino's law. Yeah, 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 yeah. Underrated more than disrespected. Um, I think Chris Morning wasn't disrespected. I think Chris Morning actually his... I've always said Chris Morning's fundamental challenge was he just wasn't comfortable playing through the middle of the field. So he'd play it to the fullbacks. He just wasn't comfortable playing out from the back. And that's not, that was just the limitation that we knew about. I put Ronnie Johnson in there. Ronnie Johnson was an unbelievable centre-back. What a lovely mention. Unbelievable centre-back. Do you know why I'd put a right-back? Antonio Valencia. The really sad thing with Valencia is, the sad thing with Valencia is, is that he lost his efficiency as a winger really fast in space about two years. And he had to retrain as a right back and became brilliant as a right he back. Was brilliant. Yeah. And I just don't think he ever got the props. No. Do you know why it was? Do you know why? And this is a good shout. I think you made a great shout. His attacking efficiency as a right back just fell off a cliff after 2010-11. It's a big parallel with Ashley Young, actually, if you think about it. And it was, a, yeah, a big parallel. And, it, and both, both as wingers, dropping back to full backs and both as a major, major, uh, well, as a result of their lack of, well, their drop off in, in attacking ability. Yeah, and it, it was weird with both of them because it happened around the same time, obviously. And it was there was a point where they had three wingers, none of whom were really producing much nanny as well. Uh, the overlap at one point when it was working, because Raphael was an unusually good attacking right back, but not quite as good defensively, and Valencia was a winger who was actually better than average defensively. The Valencia Raphael overlap was one of the best mm. anywhere. It was outstanding when it was going. It was so so good. And people forget United, three Champions League finals in four years. Yeah. Only thing that stopped them was Barca. Like that Barca in a different era. United could have ended up with three Champions Leagues in four years. Like, no. they, but they had, they had a generational force against them. Yeah. And, and, and Valencia was essential in, in, you know, in parts of that run. I totally agree with Darren Fletcher going in there though. I would say that, yes. I think, although here's a weird one with Fletcher. Fletcher was indulged, I think, early in his career. He became indispensable. But I think there was a period in the, in, the, uh, in the years where Fletcher was finding his feet that actually cost United. People forget that, you know, Ferguson, Ferguson's league title win in 2006-2007 was a game changer. Like, mm. experienced, experienced commentators were going, we think he's done. 05-06, people like Ferguson's done. Yeah. I think Cleberson was a player that was disrespected. Ooh. Cleberson was a fantastic footballer as was David Bellion around that time. Bellion had all the talent and it was just the integration of those players into the team. There was a five, six year period where Ferguson, well, I think, I think to be honest, Ferguson's patience throughout his career wasn't great. I think it was when Arsenal started to become a real problem for It was them. awful. And Chelsea at the same time. Yeah. So and don't Chelsea, forget, you had, yeah. you had basically, you had Arsenal who were brilliant in 04. Yeah, because he had two great rivals. When, mm. when did Ferguson ever have? He didn't just have one manager, it was incredible. He saw two generational managers, Wenger and Mourinho, two of the greatest managers of all time in any, any country with stacked squads. 
Mm. Chelsea was so good in 0405. I actually turned to mate and I'm like, that, that when, basically when, when Chelsea basically would have won, they'd won in 0405, 0506. And they were going for three in a row. People forget this. They were going for three in a row and we beat them in 0607, which was also Michael Carrick's first season. Michael Carrick, an astonishing signing. I think he should go in there. And disrespected. I do. I think Carrick gets his props though. By who though? By United fans, I would say. See, this is the thing. I think outside of United fans, I think he's massively disrespected. Yeah, that's true. No, that's true. Oh my goodness, with the England camp. And he was like, he said, I'm not available for selection. And everyone was like, oh my God, it's your country. But like, no, because Carrick knew. That time when he came on against uh, Ecuador, England, Ecuador, and he just basically controlled the midfield. And everyone was like, oh my goodness, Carrick's incredible. And Carrick's like, I've been doing this for years. And everyone's like, how do we play these two in midfield together? And it's just like, well, just play Got to play Gerrard and Lampard and Scholes at one point as well. We've got to play we'll just, more. We'll just play. Well, you could, they could have done it. They could have done. They could have played. Yeah, Diamond. Diamond have done it. Skulls, Lampard, either side of the diamond. Carrick is the six and Gerard is the second striker. That would have worked easy. Yeah. And Carrick's like, the amount of times Carrick would have gone home to his partner and been like, why am I not just playing? It's be like, Michael, they won't get it. I'll never get it. Do you think uh, Michael Carrick is the most like underground artist, English footballer of the last 20 years? It's like people are only going to re- like appreciate him on the reissue. Yeah, that's what he is. He's absolutely that. I mean, I was... Um, I was looking at and, and Tony Cruz. Tony Cruz is the player that stands out to me. That is basically Michael Carrick now. And I, I shared well, a compilation. Well, I, I, I think you and me have a little bit of a, we're a bit far apart on our Tony Cruz. Good. So midfield, I mean, in Dave's, Darren Fletcher, Juan Veron, Shinji Kagawa. I don't think Shinji Kagawa was, dis- maybe he was disrespected, but I just think his form fell off a cliff at Man United. Everyone knew what he was capable of. Everyone wanted him to succeed. And if, 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 if Kagawa had been in the team along with, um, if Kagawa and Van Nistelrooy had been up front together, mm. lights out. Yeah. I'm not so sold on the Alan Smith, Louis Saha, Nani. Smith was rated. Smith was, no, Saha, was, Saha just got injury. Smith basically was, um, Ferguson tried to turn him into a Roy Keane, mm. but no one blamed Smith for that. Smith scored important yeah, that goals. Was, I think that was actually, if you think about it, that's something that, yeah, that happened. Not, <laughs> just all of a sudden, Alan Smith was a number eight. <laughs> Ferguson might not admit it, but he made some strange decisions in 04, 05, 05, 06. Oh, yeah, there were some times where like... Pressure. If Twitter had been around as like it was now... Some of the lineups. Ferguson would be held in anywhere near as high regard as he yeah. is. Some of those lineups, yeah. Um, we haven't really decided on a full 11. Do you think Ruud van Nistelrooy is disrespected at Manchester No, no, no. He's adored. I think Andy Cole might be. I think beyond United, yes. Like, because if you have to name the top strikers, he doesn't always come up, does he? Mm. Trying to think who else I'd put in there. I mean, Tevez, mm, Tevez is... Mm, yeah. We were saying the whole time when Tevez was at United, we're like, he's going to leave. He's going to want to leave. Like, we, everyone could see how good he was. In that front three, Rooney, Tevez, Ronaldo was devastating on the break, especially. And they oh. never stopped working. They never stopped working for each other. Yeah. I like that question. We haven't really decided on our final Manchester United 11, but. No, but it's just fun to discuss it, isn't it? Yeah. Debate's fun. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 
miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, let's do this Chelsea one from Tyler. Former season ticket holder before moving to the States. Here's my Chelsea most disrespected 11, specifically from the perspective of Chelsea fans. Oh, wow, okay. It says, Carlo Cudicini in goal, never considered one of the best in the league and overshadowed by the arrival of Petr Cech, never gets his due as a really good keeper. Oh my God, I love Cudicini, yes. I will die on that hill. Really good 11, by the way. Paulo Ferreira right back, maligned while we were under the first Mourinho reign. Moose is punching the air again. Um, I've never seen Moose get this hyped about Chelsea ever. <laughs> this is amazing. I love this team already. Um, but was always a solid player who couldn't lose a match. Who wouldn't lose a match for you, Gary Cahill? Always forgotten by Chelsea fans as he was second fiddle to John Terry, and then never celebrated as the leader and captain after he left. William Gallas will always be thought of as the player that we let go on to play for Arsenal and Tottenham. Huge goal threat from set pieces and never given the respect he deserved as a third centre-back who could fill in for Carvalho or Desai. Terry or and Gallas was the perfect centre-midfield, centre-defence partnerships. Perfect. Wayne Bridget left-back. Always a solid left-back and was overlooked as soon as we replaced him with Ashley Cole. This is so good. I'm loving it. Oscar. Loved by a small subset of fans, but is the most disrespected player on the list by a mile. Yes. So creative and capable of a worldie, but never given the respect by fans or managers. Always played out of position by managers. And then he was sold to China. Oh my God, that's so perfect. Yep, yep, perfect. Tiago. I was hoping, I was waiting. I was like, Tiago, please. Yeah. Such a good footballer, but was never respected at Chelsea despite big performances against United and Arsenal. Deco. Oh my God. But was a poor man's Fabregas for us while he was here. Not the most liked by fans because of his Ozil-like lack of seeming effort, but he was brilliant. Right wing, Mason Mount. Might be a little bit of recency bias, but he's easily the most polarising player for this Chelsea team among fans. Some resent him and others love him. I think it easily qualifies him as the most disrespected current player for us. And in truly disrespectful fashion, I'm slotting him in as a right winger, despite <laughs> being the best as a number eight or ten. Left wing, Florin Maluda. One of the most defining players of the 2010s for Chelsea, but never was given the respect he deserved during his playing time with us by the fans. Sent forward, Nicholas Anelka. As expected with how disrespected he was his whole career at every stop, same with how little Chelsea fans respect how well he did while at the club. And there's a bench. Thibaut Courtois, still at the back while he was here, but hated after the way he forced his way out, which has blinded Chelsea fans to how good he was here. Centre-back, Robert Huth. Oh my God, I hated Robert Huth so much because he was so <laughs> good. Mountain at the back but was always, and was always a third... Uh, it was always a great third centre back. Never got his due, um, was f- and has forgotten about. Has been forgotten about since he played centre midfield. Scott Parker, definition oh, of a solid player. Yes, central defensive midfield. John Obi Mikel, hugely disrespected by the fans. But whenever we wanted to lock the game down, bring on Mikel, it was game over. Hernan Crespo, solid player with good goal records when he played, but was ravaged by injuries. Samuel Eto'o, in true Eto'o fashion, 
completely disrespected for his one year at Chelsea and everyone forgot about it soon thereafter. He casually scored 35 goals in all competitions during the 2013-14 season. And finally, Willian. Solid performer, he never got his due. He was always inconsistent, but could always deliver in big games. Wow, wow, That's incredible. Wow. Every we have a winner. <laughs> that is the best. That is such a wonderful... You know, it's so funny. So many of those players are my favourite players in their mm. positions ever. So many of them. Like, when the list was going, and I'm like, I was literally, when, the, when it came to, like, centre-backs, I was like, please mention Thiago in midfield. I was literally listening, going like, this guy is so locked in in terms of, like, I'm not a Chelsea, you know, fan. I watch them, but no, obviously I'm a United fan. But from my observation of Chelsea, that was the sense that I got so often. And these players, I mean, Thiago was unbelievable. Oscar, this man sacrificed, Oscar sacrificed so much of his career. I mentioned this before, perhaps, but I got to interview the late, great Carlos Alberto. And the way he spoke about Oscar, it would break your heart, Ryan. He was like, Oscar is our new, our new Gerson. He did not allow us to mention it in the interview because he was like, I don't want to put pressure on him before the World Cup. But Oscar, when I look at him, he has the skill of Gerson. Mm-hmm. This man scores a hat trick in the World Under-20 finals that, uh, to, when they beat Brazil, beat Portugal 3-2. He's the heir apparent. He beats Buffon from 30 yards in the Champions League. Like he's, he's lights out and he gets turned into this defensive midf- midfield grafter. By the time he's at the World Cup in 2014, he's lost his attacking instincts. And being in Brazil at the time, the Brazil fans were like, what have you done to Oscar? Where's the freedom in his play? What have you done to him? He is one of the most disrespected players of his, of his talent level. There's an argument that he's the most disrespected of the last 10 years in terms of his talent level and what he could and should have been. Yeah, really sad, really sad. Do you know what? Shout out to John Obi Mikel. Do you know why? Because he was a player Evan was chasing as a 10. Yeah. Evan was chasing him as a 10. We chased him as a 10 and he went to um, Chelsea and Evan was going, oh, he's a terrible a terrible deep playing player. And he was not, he was a 10. You see that um, when uh, the World Cup final, the youth World Cup final, when Argentina beat Nigeria 2-1, which everyone forgets about. Everyone forgets that Messi's actually won a youth World Cup, which is very convenient. And Mikel was like the big hope, the big Nigerian hope at the 10. Goes to Chelsea, never plays as a 10. Mm. Never gets a chance to do a Raquel May. Gets shoved into a number six role, completely unfamiliar. And what does he do? He wins a Champions League playing as a deep-lying player, covering defensive ground for Lampard, who's obviously playing a deep-lying position, but his strengths are more, at that point, still creative. Mm. Mikel bosses an entire Champions League in Munich, and people don't really talk about it. It's so disrespected. David Luiz, you could probably put in there as well to an extent, just because David Luiz was a player who, obviously among Chelsea fans, he gets his love for, I think, 2012. But Mikel is a great example. Mm-hmm. That is a guy. You know, I have to say, Mikel, I have to put some respect on his name because most players don't come back from that. Yep. How many players are natural 10s? It's not like Pirlo, where Pirlo was not a natural 10. He was a deep line. How many players are natural 10s and get broken and still have a career that everyone would be proud of? Yep. Mikel did it. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think that's a really... Love that shout. An amazing 11, that. And subs. That was so good. I feel... I've got a good... I've got such a good feeling about that. <laughs> Thank you, che- Thank you, Chelsea. Uh, let's move on to this one from Drew Nickham, a Real Madrid fan from Columbus, Ohio. Shout out to Drew. A huge fan of the Columbus crew. As a Madrid fan, there are obviously a lot of options for players that are disrespected. Mm. I think we've managed to disrespect all of them at least once. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. My disrespect is of more recent players. 
I also changed it up a bit and didn't go by position, just so I could include a few coaches that the club has disrespected. I know a lot of the players I mentioned are big names, but I think Madrid has a real habit of disrespecting star players. <laughs> yes. Drew's disrespected Real Madrid 11. Kayla Navas. Of course, yes. <laughs> Has to be. <laughs> he just wrote, uh, they just wrote, replaced with Courtois for no real reason. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Ike Casillas, he was on our disrespected. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned him, right? I think so. Uh, an obvious one, but at least Ike and the club seem to have made up. True. Yeah. Claude Makaleli sold at his peak because it was assumed he would decline quickly. Yes, and the way they talked about I him. Oh my God. Actually, because I love that shout. James Rodriguez. I think this more stems from coaches not liking or deploying him properly. But yes. it seems pretty obvious that he could have contributed more if he'd been given more playing time. Yes. Steve McManaman. The club tried to sell him to make way for more Galacticos and had its, his playing time reduced, despite being one of the club's best players and a fan favourite. Every summer they tried to sell him. Every yeah. summer. Every summer, and he kept coming back. Yeah, big shout. Ian Robbins, sold at the start of Perez's second stint, even though he didn't want to leave. God, I wish he had stayed. That would have been a good what if. Ooh, yeah, that would be a good what if. Yeah, definitely. Gareth Bale, I think this is self-explanatory. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Michael Owen had a great season statistically, but was criticised often by fans in the press. His goals per minute was ridiculous. Yeah. Here we go. Managers. <laughs> amazing, amazing. <laughs> I'm going, to switch, I'm going to switch the order. I'm going to do them in the reverse order to what Drew has sent us. <laughs> Julian Lopetegui. Madrid nearly tanked this man's whole career. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I actually feel really bad for him. Uh, Carlo Ancelotti, fired a year after winning La Decima despite reaching the Champions League semifinals and coming second in the league. They've got to mention my man in there. I'm waiting for my man to needs to come up. Your Pankus. Yes. <laughs> Fired right after winning the Champions League. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm so happy to hear that there. And finally, Drew says, I'd also like to mention former club president Lorenzo Sanz, who sadly passed away early this year. Rest in peace. Who delivered the club multiple European titles and star players. Despite the club's accomplishments under his stewardship, he ultimately lost his re-election bid to Fiorentino Perez which I would consider a major slight by the club's members. Obviously, a lot was at work during that period. Yeah. Including Sands calling an early election a la Theresa May. <laughs> but he seems to be forgotten a lot when discussing Real Madrid's last 30 years. And he was an essential part of the kind of renaissance. Yeah. Under him, that's when the renaissance happened. Like without him, there's no, you know, he got those, was he, was, he got three, didn't he? 98, 2000, 2002. Mm-hmm. He was big. He was big, Sands. Um, I would like to, I mean, you could throw Samuel Eto in there actually. Oh my God. Yes, of course. Eto's been disrespected everywhere. Yeah. You could oh my God. Every, every yeah. Madrid just, this is the man that went to Madrid. Remember when he went, he went, he did the, yeah. you dance in the fountain. Madrid, Madrid, you bastard. Salute, um, salute the champions. <laughs> you could throw Samuel Eto'o in there. And, and Madrid fans were like, fair play. They were like, no, we just, our club disrespected you. Yeah. Eto'o disrespected by Chelsea by Barcelona and by Madrid, the most disrespected footballer oh, by each club, yeah. I would actually throw in a shout for Gonzalo Higuain as well. 121 goals in 264 games, 56 assists for Real Madrid. That's Andy Cole numbers. He scored over 100 goals in uh, La Liga and Serie A. 
I really feel for Higuain. I really feel for him. I'd, I'd put him in my Real Madrid disrespect to 11. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You want to chuck any in there before we move on to one final one? I just want to say that Hammers was a great shout for disrespect. Yeah. I think it's yeah, a really like good 11, that. that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, Drew. Let's wrap on this one. Yep, yep. Miguel Sicar. This is my suggestion for a disrespected 11 for FC Barcelona. Oh, he's got to be in there. So carry on. Okay, I know he's got to be in there. I'm understanding disrespected here in two ways. Both players who were in the intersection of disrespected and underappreciated and disrespected in the way the clubs or the fans treated them. Sounds good to me. Yep. In goal, Zubizarreta. Disrespected not only as a player, let go in 94 as if the Athens debacle was his fault but also as sporting director. Amazing shout. Imagine blaming him for the 4-0. I know, man. Defence, Rafa Marquez. He should be closer to a club legend than what he is. Nobody remembers how central he was on giving defensive consistency to Rijkaard's teams. I love that shout. Frank De Boer. He was an amazing player. Barca fans didn't like him, but probably it was a proxy situation. When we booed De Boer, we were actually booing Van Gaal. Right. Giovanni Brambronkost, much like Marquez, it's difficult to understand the success of Rijkaard's teams without the players that did the work and he was one of them. We barely remember him when thinking about the 2006 double. He was an amazing player, Van Bronckhorst. I loved him when he was at Arsenal as well. It was so good. So good. So good. So good when he left. Midfield, unsurprisingly, there's so many possible picks here. <laughs> A club like Barca, even Rakitic. Oh my God, yes. And anyone who has followed Barca though, on the Twitter knows fans don't really like him even though he was essential for the 2015 treble. Unreal. Unreal player. Philip Koku. Maybe he was more appreciated than what I remember, but he was a key player for over many, many years. But I think he has the wrong, I think he was the wrong kind of Dutch player to be properly embraced by Barca. I loved Koku at Barca. More PSV than Ajax, he says. It was a good shout out. I loved Koku at Barca. Oh my goodness. The best, some of their best play came through him. I yep. loved him there. Yeah. Sadu Keita. There would be no Guardiola 2019 without Keita. But we Barca fans always scoffed about seeing him in the lineups for a return match in the Champions League, away in the Champions League, because he was a physical player and obviously add race issues to that connotation. It hasn't gone that well for us without players like Keita since. Can't argue with that. I remember a game where Keita came in and the passing obviously slowed down because the thing was Barca, it was like fast passing midfield. Yeah. I think it was away, I'm not sure if it was Leverkusen, they played away and the game just slowed because no one can pass at the speed that Xavi can. I think it was Cater coming in. So I think he took a lot of flat for just not getting the ball on as quick. Yeah. He was, a, he was very much like a, he was a shuttler, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Very I much so. Very yeah. much Yeah. Um, I liked him. I did. Yeah. Really important part of that. There was a, there were a lot of players around that era, like Maxwell and all these kind of players who would like did jobs, you know. Maxwell won a ridiculous number of trophies as well. <laughs> Slightly just cleaned up yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, okay. The last of the midfield, Michael Laudrup. He broke our hearts and left for Real Madrid, but still should be remembered more as a legend he was under Cruyff and not because of where he went afterwards. It's the way it ended under Cruyff as well, though, wasn't it? This is the thing. It's like, when you go to Real Madrid from Barcelona, can you argue that they've been disrespected or has the disrespect gone the other way? I mean, yeah, I mean, he didn't get as much hell for it, considering. He was king of Spain, wasn't he? Yeah. That's why. He was the real king of Spain. And two straight five nils, didn't he? He got the five nil at Barca, then went and did a five nil in the other Classico and got away with it. Yep. Okay, attack. You see, that's what happens when you're good looking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he got away with it. He's so beautiful. So I got away with it. Yeah. Olivia Figo, Michael Laudrup, take two. 
David Villa, he won. I think every- Figo that was self-inflicted. Yeah, I agree. Actually, so no. like someone was going before, like um, you you make that move then. You know, Figo, and also you don't go and do a banking no, advert. Face, face on a billboard of a banking advert saying sometimes changes for the better. In the words of Musa Gwanga, you knew what this was. <laughs> you knew what this was. <laughs> That's why if I was a Barca fan who threw the pig's head and Figo turned around and I'm giving him the horns. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. You knew what this was. You knew what this was. <laughs> Louis, Louis. <laughs> oh, okay, who else we got up front? David Villa. He won everything and was the right attacker at the right time for the right squad and was then unceremoniously dispatched to Atleti. And yes, history seems to be repeating. Excellent shout. Here we go, Sammy Latu. Oh, yes. I think he's still the best striker we've ever had. Consistent for many seasons, made the rest of the team better, helped the youngsters. And yet he was massively disrespected by Pep and thus by extension by a large number of Barcelona fans at the time, uh, Barcelona fans at the time. It's good he had the 09 season to set things right and he topped us with the 2010 interseason, probably just to make a point. I mean, yeah, we've spoken enough about Etuga. I mean, the Etu biopic at this point is just asking to be made. It's the most unbelievable story. Adio presents Samuel. Putting a patent pending on that, everyone. Just like Donald Trump is claiming states. Samuel. That'd be wild. Okay, Bench. Uh, Chigurinsky. Barca fans booed him when we wanted to self-destructively boo Guardiola. Uh, Chiki Bagiristan. Another dream team legend unceremoniously dispatched by Cruyff and an architect of Guardiola's era dismissed by Rossell and the, re- and the current board, much like Zubizarreta. Oh my goodness, double disrespect. And then these people that love the club so much they want to go and serve again. It's awful. Uh, awful. Kelme. We've been over Rikami though. We have, we have. No, but that's He was disrespected. Uh, at Barca, disrespected, yeah. Yeah, by Van Gaal, for sure. For our taste, technical and yeah. calm with the ball, just a bit too emotionally cold. Here we go, you ready? Victor Valdez. What is it with this club that manages to disrespect people first as players and then as technical staff? What was it? And is it in Iniesta's book when Iniesta's talking about, was it Iniesta's book where there's a guy that signs for the club and he's going, yeah, like it's really exciting. Like um, they say, I've got a bigger, a big future ahead of me at Barca. And Iniesta just turns to me. He's like, oh, they, they tell everyone that. Yeah. And it's just the way that Iniesta says it. There's not many quotes in, from, about Iniesta in the book where he's like, has those kinds of insights. But one thing you realise, Iniesta's ability to navigate office politics yeah. and club politics, that amazing bit when Iniesta visits uh, Pep in the basement and goes, Pep in the basement. We're going to, yeah, we're going to, we're going to win effing everything. Let's yeah. effing go. And, and, and Iniesta's like, and Pep was shocked. He was like, what? And that was the genius. Iniesta is the ultimate. Like, woo woo, like spring break. <laughs> no, no, no. He was, he was like, he was like MF Doom at the end of the Rhinestone Cowboy video. You know, when MF Doom puts the mask on and raises his hands in the air and it's just like, because that's the energy he comes with. It's just like, yep. for those who haven't heard that tune, it's the end of one of the great, greatest albums of all time in any genre. Yep, Mad Villainy. Yeah, it's the culmination of like a beautiful poetic journey, but it's also got that melancholy. But at the end, what rather about, like- Doom's best tune, yeah. I think. Best yeah. Doom's been on. Final one on the bench, Bojan. Because he wasn't messy. That Bo, the Bojan story is really sad. I mean, Bojan got disrespected by at international level as well. I think Puyol was pretty like tough on him. It was yeah. really hard. Yeah. Um, 
and coach Sir Bobby Robson who we never learnt to respect and love as we should even though he took the job after Cruyff won three titles brought Ronaldo to Barcelona and infused our club with his charisma and class I mean we, he was our disrespected coach basically won three trophies at Barca yeah Copa del Rey Super Copa de España and Copa Cup winners yeah yeah um, yeah man that's a good one great 11s these thanks so much team yeah thanks to everyone who submitted disrespected club 11s hope you enjoyed that part too we're going to be back on Monday we're going to do some women's super league for our Bundesliga yep yep maybe we'll do a mailbag yeah why not why not get into it I uh, hope everyone's staying safe and well lockdowns are coming back in all over the place so Deep stay, AR, yep, stay, yep. stay well look out for each other a stadio sessions Friday night come join us go to at stadio on Twitter we'll post all the info on there you can check it out it's going to be two hours of music and football commentary anything else I think we're good yeah. good to go yep yep playing out on this episode Don't Bother by Dark Day and have a great weekend everyone stay safe stay well we'll see you on Monday take care episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.